you would, please open your Bibles to John chapter 1. As usual, there is a Bible app event for this sermon, and you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app if you find the event. One of my favorite memories is watching hockey with my kids. And if you ever watched hockey, you know that there's a penalty box. And players who draw a penalty for maybe roughing or for fighting or for slashing, they go to this box with plexiglass windows around it, and they sit there for a couple minutes out of the game on the bench. The penalty box has a doorkeeper. He's usually wearing a suit or a tie and a jacket at least. And he ensures that the player stays in there for the duration of the penalty. In her adult years, my daughter Esther once said to me, Hey, Dad, when I was a little girl watching that, I thought the guy in the suit was a counselor. <laughs> and, he was, and he was counseling that player about his behavior on the ice. That might not be such a bad idea <laughs> to put a counselor in there. Anger. <laughs> is it just me? Or is there a lot of anger in the air these days? I mean, this week, some people were really angry about the weather. Over a century ago, it was a guy named Charles Dudley Warner who said, a lot of people complain about the weather, but nobody ever does anything about it. So it is. Some people are angry about the government. Me, I feel like I know the drill. Meet the new boss, just like the old boss. And some people are just angry about people. I just don't understand the humans these days. And maybe some of us, maybe the whole world could use a few minutes in a plexiglass box to talk to a guy about our anger. Maybe we need someone to quiet our angry hearts, someone to comfort our mind, our soul, and our heart. Real God, real life, real Christmas. Through Advent, we've already lighted three of our candles, hope, peace, and faith. Today, I want to talk to you about comfort, the candle of comfort, because I think comfort is pretty much underrated. I mean, there's some comfort from food. That's what's on the PowerPoint here. That cup there has marshmallows sticking out the top of it, and so you know that's got to be hot chocolate. And look at those donuts down there. Those are donuts that just want to be there. <laughs> I want them to be there. I want them to be with me. I almost always associate comfort with grief. But I want to expand our thinking a little bit to note that it includes many other things. Even anger is something that can come from a lack of comfort. And when our comfort is threatened, anger is something that surely rears its ugly head. So I give you this candle, this fourth candle this morning. The candle of Christ's comfort. We're going to read a passage of scripture throughout our message today. It's not a traditional Christmas passage, but it is a Christmas passage. It's in John 1. When the Spirit of God breathed the words that John penned, he breathed some pretty deep concepts. And I want to show you the concept of comfort during this Advent season. And the first thing I think that we'll discover is that comfort really comes with an awareness of Christ's power. As John begins writing, these are the first words in a book that he's writing, a correspondence he's creating to Christians to tell them about Jesus and who he is. And he begins talking about the identity of Jesus, that the Christ child that you and I think of this time of year, lying in a manger, is God in the flesh. He says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, 
Nothing was made that has been made. Now, there's some confusing stuff right there. That's because he's talking about a little bit about the Trinity, the Godhead there. But in those opening sentences, in those three sentences, John wants you to know that Jesus, the Word, is God. And that's important for a lot of reasons, but one reason is because he has power. We need power because we as human beings are pretty limited in the power we have. What did Clint Eastwood say in that old movie, The Enforcer? A man's got to know his limitations. I don't do a good Clint Eastwood at all. You know that you're limited, right? Not so sure? Well, watch some video footage of a tsunami and see how helpless we are in the force of nature. Or watch some footage of the earthquake that hit Japan several years ago and see how small we appear in all of nature. Or consider your own inability to slow your own aging process. And if you're still not convinced about your limited power, (laughs) try raising a teenager. See how that works. We like to think that we have everything under control. We look to technology to help us. We look to Washington or to Harrisburg. We look to good education. And yet the problems of humankind still persist. So it's really important to know. It's great to know. And it's a comforting thing to stand upon that Christ has power when we need it. John's Advent story affirms that Christ is God. And God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Listen to the very next verse, or the last one that I read, verse 3. It says, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. He made it all, and he maintains it all. And those who love him find comfort in the fact that no power can thwart Christ's intention. The gates of hell cannot prevail. And that which Jesus starts, he will finish. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. And he never lacks any good thing. This is the comfort of Advent, the comfort of Christ's power. As we continue to read in John, we see that there is a comfort available to us that comes as well from Christ's goodness. You know, there's an expression that we use, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts? Absolutely. And I agree when we're talking about mere humans. But Christ is not a mere human. He is God in the flesh, incarnate, and he is good. That's why the very next verse, verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then in verse 9, he says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. I have a couple thoughts regarding that. The first is this, that any goodness we see comes from Christ. It doesn't matter if the parties involved are Christian or not. Verse 4 says that the life in Christ is the light to all humankind. And verse 9 says, He gives that to everyone. When humankind shines light, the light of Christ, they're showing his glory, his brilliance. And everyone does it to a greater or lesser degree. You can think of this as common grace, that all of us reflect the image of God to one degree or another. 
this week in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, a trooper came across a 75-year-old homeless woman in the cold. She reportedly had been turned away from shelters because of her 16-year-old dog. No pets allowed. A man named Corporal Lovett of the Pennsylvania State Police took her to a hotel and paid for her room and her dog so they could sleep in warmth. The radio station, television station website ended their report by saying, a heartwarming story for a very cold time of year. Now, I don't know Corporal Lovett. I respect him a lot. And I understand from the passage we're reading today that that light that he showed was the very, the very light of Christ. That warmth that he gave was warmth from God. I find comfort in that goodness. I find comfort in Christ's power. I find comfort in Christ's goodness because that goodness always wins. It says in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The same John who wrote this gospel account also wrote the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, he gives a very different look at the Christmas story. In chapter 12, in a half a dozen verses, he says this, a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she gave birth. Then another sign appeared in the heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept away a third of the stars from the sky and flung them to the earth. Now listen to this. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. So, the woman is Israel, manifested in Mary. The dragon is Satan, desiring to thwart God's plan of redemption. The baby is Jesus, who's laid in a manger. And the baby wins. <laughs> He's Christ the Lord. Darkness does not win. Darkness will never win. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I find comfort in the goodness of Christ. So we find comfort in Christ's power. We find comfort in his goodness. And we find comfort in Christ's love. John actually points this out in four different ways in these 14 verses. He shows us the way Jesus demonstrates his love in the Advent story. And the first of these is Christ's initiative, that he comes to us. You know, when you're a kid scrapping with your cousin, when it gets ugly enough for an adult to come in and break it up, what do you say in your defense? He started it. That's what I always said. He started it. That's what every kid always says. Why? Because even as a child, you understand, you understand that the act of initiative is something important. Well, Jesus isn't here to fight with us. He is here to love us. And he started it. Verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. If you give a moment of reflection to the thought that God would put himself in a manger bed so that he could become like you and me and eventually put himself on a cross to pay for the sins of you and me, that can't help but give you a sense of comfort regarding whatever it is 
you're facing today. You find comfort in Christ's love because He started it. And you find comfort in His love because He fights for us, because of His determination. I love watching movies with my wife. She's that person who sometimes talks to the characters on the screen as we're watching. Now, I do that. I've been known to tell Mike Tomlin how foolish he was for throwing that red flag. And I talk to Ben Roethlisberger all the time, and you wouldn't believe some of the things that I've said to the receivers in the past couple weeks, right? But I'll be watching a movie with Laurel, and I will hear her say things like, no, 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 don't open that door. (laughs) And other times she'll say, well, that was a dumb thing to do. And other times she'll say, good job, good job. So I don't know what we were watching the other evening, but as we were watching it, it looked kind of like the guy was going to lose the girl. And uh, it looked like the guy was going to give up. It looked like he was just going to pack it up and go home. My wife's sitting over on the love seat, and I hear her say real softly, you got to fight for her. you got to fight for her. And I smile quietly, because I fought for her. And Jesus fought for us. Jesus fought for you. Do you hear me? He fought for you. The very next verse reminds me of this because in verse 10 it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was its own, but his own did not receive him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I think a lot of us might pack it in. I mean, your girlfriend's away at college, and you drop in for a surprise visit, and she doesn't even recognize you. A lot of guys just say, oh, that's it. I'm just going home and give up. But Jesus hangs around. Jesus doesn't give up. Jesus has determination. And you can find comfort in his love because he fights for you. And the third demonstration of Christ's love is his adoption of us. He makes us family. He chooses us. And I see that in verses 12 and 13. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. If you receive Christ, if you acknowledge his sacrifice for your sins and ask for forgiveness because of that sacrifice, and if you align your heart with his teaching, you are one of his. You become a child of God. What an offer that is. To be taken into the family of God by God's choosing. He adopts you. He makes you his own. He chooses you. That is a great comfort in this present age. And John's fourth demonstration of Christ's love is his presence. That he is with us. In the very next verse. In verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That phrase, made His dwelling among us, could be translated, He pitched His tent with us. It's a word that is not used by anyone in Scripture except for John. John uses it four times. This is the first time he uses it. And he means that Jesus is among us intimate with us, near us, walking with us, holding our hand, even carrying us when the need be. Jesus, he lives with you. His presence abides with you. And you can find comfort in the eternal presence of the eternal Christ in your life.
Comfort. I feel like it's underrated. We need it when we're grieving. We need it when we're lonely. We need it when we feel despair. We need it when we're disappointed. We need it when we're angry. And in John's account of the Advent that we've just worked through here, we see that Christ can deliver that comfort because he is God, because he is good, because he loves you, and because he is with you. I want to pray that that comfort would be yours on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your great love for us that you showed in Jesus Christ. That at just the right time, you sent him. All part of your planning, part of your, your orchestration. That we, that we might become children of God. I pray that comfort would be something that would reign in our hearts. That we would see that you are indeed, as the scripture says in the letter to Corinth, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I pray for specific people who this holiday season are struggling to feel comfort, whether it's because of the loss of a loved one or because of the situation they find them in or their inability to connect with people that they went to or whatever it is. Holy Spirit of Christ, give them your comfort. Give us your comfort. May we walk with a confidence in the comfort of Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.